Summer Skate Studios. This is Analytics and Eyeballs. From the Summer Skate Studios, Analytics and Eyeballs is brought to you by Top Golf. At every Top Golf, it's about fun, climate-controlled bays, increased safety measures with your choice of games, as well as our sports bar and restaurant. See your local Top Golf location or topgolf.com. Summer skates, shower shoes and koozies customized for yourself or your entire team. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos, from coast to coast and beyond, wherever you need to be, Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos has a destination that suits your style. Jet's Pizza, with six different styles of pizza, eight different types of crust to go with all of our fresh toppings, you can let your pizza cravings run wild. Peterson Toyota, earning the trust of our loyal customers at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins every day for over 50 years. Metro by T-Mobile, go to metrobytmobile.com to find your perfect plan, all of which come with the power of T-Mobile's 5G network. M-Drive, our boost and burn is specifically designed to help get you active, get lean, and burn fat. Get yours at mdriveformen.com. Drury Inn and Suites. Find out why we say our home is your home. Visit druryhotels.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue. Award-winning barbecue for your next catered event, a concert at Allegiant Stadium, or at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Analytics and eyeballs from the Summer Skate Studios is a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Jordan McAlpine. All right. Welcome in, hockey fans. Indeed, this is Analytics and Eyeballs. Scott Strandy with you from Centennial, Colorado tonight. My co-host back, back after a, a week off, Jordan McAlpine. I believe you're in Omaha. Is that where you're at, Jordan? <laughs> Yeah, no, no change here. So after my uh, my long one week hiatus, uh, we've we've, re- we've rejoined. So, <laughs> well, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, right? I mean, uh, you still got to finish school and get that degree, and uh, we respect that. So I hope everything went well. Yeah, e- easy uh, easy project to get through for it. So appreciate uh, Paul filling in for that. But of uh, I guess I got to give my uh, classmates some uh, some hell for that for scheduling on a Monday night of all nights. They should know where their priorities lie. So. <laughs> I love it. We're getting down to nitty gritty time. Uh, and if you hear my voice a little raspy here, I- I'm dealing with a cold. We went through 120 plus hours uh, last week below freezing. And then uh, yesterday it got to 70 or 69 or some ridiculous number. Today it's in the 60s. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm struggling a little bit, but you might have to carry me. But um, that was a lot of fun to, uh, to to get to this point of the year, right, Jordan? Well, if it makes you feel any better, it hit 70 in Omaha today on the last day of February. So Ooh, it, uh, I love it. Love we, it. Yeah. Uh, you know, as they lovingly say in Nebraska, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes and it'll change. In the last uh, last week or so, it has been exactly that. So I want to uh, I want to say this weekend when North Dakota comes to town, it's supposed to be in the six uh, mid to upper sixties, maybe even the lower seventies. So it uh, <laughs> weather weather wise, it's starting to feel like baseball season's right around the corner at that rate with it. But no, definitely this is a fun time of the year as uh, 
I'm sure I speak for myself, you, and pretty much everyone else in college hockey that uh, covers it or works in the sport. This is the time you live for with it. We got a uh, crazy to think in three weeks now that we'll all be meeting up in St. Paul for the frozen face-off and the playoffs before that. And then, uh, lo and behold, tournament times right after that. So it's it's definitely uh, fun, but also a uh, little bit of a uh, hectic and nerve-wracking time of year for some people involved with it. So. Yeah, no doubt. We had uh, Michael Weissman on, the uh, Associate Commissioner from the NCHC. Of course, you know Michael very well. Um, we had him on last night, and, and Paul and I were kind of grilling him about everything on the frozen face-off and what was going to happen. And, and then we dug into the fact that you could have uh, St. Cloud and Minnesota Duluth going at it. Uh, after this weekend's regular season finale, they could be the first-round opponents of each other. And the same thing with uh, Denver and CC. Uh, there's still some stuff that could happen, but goodness gracious, can you imagine that those two or those four schools going back to back and possibly playing five games in a row? Well, it's crazy, especially this week weekend coming up up in Duluth. How much is at stake for that series? Uh, and and you look at Omaha coming with North Dakota this weekend for both teams, obviously North Dakota clinching the Penrose, North Omaha trying to move up in the standings. Sure. There's a lot in the lines, but you're literally talking home ice advantage, last change, everything that else that comes with that. And uh, Duluth and St. Cloud, the last two Tuesday games that they've had, I know they tied in both of them and Duluth isn't exactly a, a locker on a uh, safe terms right now when it comes to the tournament time with the record that they have. So there's a, there's a lot riding on the lineup at Amsoil with that series, especially. And then, like you said yourself with Denver and CC funny things can happen in hockey when uh, you get all too familiar with the same opponent over and over again, especially at this time of the year. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Yeah, absolutely. A whole bunch of fun stuff. Well, we got a great guest that's going to be joining us in just a minute. Um, Dave Starman is going to join us uh, from uh, CBS Sports Network, um, the broadcast analyst. Uh, he does everything. He coaches, he parents, he, he does whatever it takes. Uh, lots of great stuff to talk about. We're going to take one quick break, Jordan. We'll come back and, uh, and bring Dave on and uh, pick his brain on analytics and eyeballs. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you, wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Really, JR, you think you can still do this? I'm focused. You're way too old to hit that target from there. I've been listening to everything you said. It's been running through my head, locked and loaded. Still got it. Still got it. Who's old now? Summer Skate Studios. This is Analytics and Eyeballs. 
All right, welcome back in hockey fans, NCAA hockey fans, NCHC hockey fans, and just college hockey fans in general. Scott Strandy joining you tonight from Centennial, Colorado. My co-host as always, Jordan McAlpine from beautiful, sunny, warm <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, Jordan, it's our pleasure to uh, to bring on the voice of NCHC hockey for CBS Sports Network. I'm sorry, sorry, uh, uh, I don't mean to take anything away from from the real voice, but uh, Dave is <laughs> Dave is the voice, right? And and Shireen, of course, doing her thing. Um, so we're glad to have uh, Dave joining us. Dave, if you can uh, if you can hear us and hit one of those uh, great call in buttons, we'll be happy to get you going and uh, talk some hockey with you. Um, Jordan, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. What's been happening all around hockey. We've talked about parody for a long time. I think we have Dave, Dave Scott and Jordan with you. How are you, my friend? I am great. How are you guys doing? Good in the uh, tropical paradise of the NCHC, I guess you could say in <laughs> Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are here on Long Island and listen, it's not any warmer here than it is anywhere else. Here, here's the here's the real question. You go to Grand Forks in February. That can uh, that can get a little uh, iffy weather-wise. How'd that treat you this weekend? <laughs> well, let's let's backtrack this for one second. We were in Duluth a week ago Friday to do that game between them and North Dakota, and then we left. We hung out with Sandlin for about an hour and a half in his office and shot it for a while, and and then we went back to the hotel, packed, drove straight to the airport in Minneapolis, jumped on a five twenty a.m. Uh, to Atlanta, and then uh, connecting to Palm Beach to go watch our son play in the ECEL playoffs uh, with his team that had come down from New Hampshire. So we stayed for a couple extra days. They left Tuesday. We went to Grand Forks on Thursday. So we went from 85 degrees in Fort Lauderdale <laughs> to minus 5 in Grand Forks. Oh, minus, yeah. five is a, it, minus 5 is bad itself. But minus 5 after 85, I mean, that's, that's a wake-up. <laughs> yeah, and you probably had 20 or 30 mile an hour winds along with it, no doubt. No, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dave, I, I wanted to tell you that uh, we appreciate having you on. Paul and I had you on about a year ago. We were talking uh, college hockey and, and mostly Arizona State. We've expanded, so we have Denver, Arizona State, CC, and Air Force. Next year, we're adding the two Alaska schools. And uh, who knows, maybe Omaha, if uh, Lindenwood gets off the uh, – the block and gets their program started so we're expanding but it's great to have you on and um tell us first of all what you do i mean for all of our listeners that don't know you just explained how busy you are but tell us what you do for uh for college hockey i just try to bring the nuances of the game and the people the programs the games themselves to a fan base in the conference where hockey matters. And I think that, and that's not knocking any, I know hockey matters to all the schools that are involved, but you know, there are a lot of conferences where football and basketball are the big schools and hockey is just part of the package. But in the NCHC, it's unique because I mean, obviously at North Dakota, it is the biggest thing going, you know, their hockey program. It's I've often said playing goal for, North Dakota is like playing goal for the Montreal Canadiens and having scouted for the Canadians for four years. I mean, I, I think I'm pretty qualified to draw that parallel. And so you got that same thing with Minnesota Duluth. I mean, that is a really passionate fan base, you know, Denver, obviously lacrosse is good at Denver and they've got some other things going on, but I mean, hockey at Denver is a big deal. Hockey at Colorado college was a big deal for a long time. I think it's going to trend back in that direction. Hockey at St. Cloud state is a big deal. 
So I, I think when you when you look around the conference, you're dealing with a conference where hockey is, if not the most popular sport on campus, it's one of two. And you know that you got a fan base that's really dialed into to what's going on. And it keeps you on your toes. And it's it's why I find that doing this conference year after year to be so invigorating and so challenging, you know, at the same time. Well, Dave, obviously you're no stranger to this conference as much as anyone. You get to see it on a nightly basis, but obviously everyone draws the comparisons, NCHC being the SCC of college hockey or however you want to look at it. One through eight, you know it and I know it. Any night, anyone can beat anyone. You see that this past weekend with Duluth shutting out – or Miami shutting out Duluth. How uh, You talk about keeping you on your toes. How much does that add to it? <laughs> it's a good point. I think, I think a ton because I'll, I'll tell you this. Chris Mayotte, you know, another head coach at CC, I thought he had a great line. And to me, it is the best line that has ever summed up what the NCHC is in comparison to some of the other conferences. And he compared it to the Big Ten. And here's what he said. He said, the Big Ten has more players that can scare you. And he talked about a Matty Beneers or a Kent Johnson or an Owen Power or a Dylan Holloway or a Cole Caulfield or Keandre Miller, like just some of the real high-end, high draft picks that have played in the Big Ten that have come in either as true freshmen or maybe a year delayed but weren't going to stay long because they were going right to the NHL. He said, so the, so the Big Ten's got a lot of players that can scare you. He goes, but what the NCHC has is a lot of teams that can scare you. And what he meant by that was there are teams that have a lot of high-end talent, but they're also built with a core that stays for three to four years, and in some cases now with the COVID thing for five. And those teams are just – they're big, they're heavy, they're strong, they're smart, they're hockey savvy and hockey sophisticated, and they understand how to manage games over 60 minutes so that no matter what point of the game that you're in, the game's never over. And a lot of players have said to me they wanted to play in the NCHC as a grad transfer. They wanted to play in the NCHC as even as just a transfer because they wanted the opportunity to play every night against players on every team in that conference that can either be NHL or American Hockey League players. And I – Conferences. And, and the difference between the NCHC and the rest of the, of the NCAA – Dave, I, I, and I want to reiterate a little bit about what you just said, because two weeks ago, I was down to watch Colorado College in Miami, and when I announced that I was going down to watch that weekend, I got several texts from people going like, well, why are you going to watch two of the, the bottom feeders of the NCHC? And I said, oh, although you're, you're very wrong on that, because this is going to be a great series. It was an awesome series. Both games went to overtime. Um so that just speaks to the parody, if you ask me, of college hockey. Have you ever seen the parody deeper than it is now? I, yeah, I think year one and two, it was a little different because you had a lot of you had six teams that came in that were built for the old WCHA, which was a different brand of hockey in itself. To me, that was, and I say this complimentary, is very much the Wild West. I mean, that was a police it yourself, and you make you, you players kind of generated and dictated a lot of what happened. And it was a rough, tumble, high-skilled conference. And then you had two teams that came in from the CCHA. And it's interesting because I remember Andy Murray saying to me a couple of years back, he goes, when Western Michigan came into the NCHC, they were still built for the CCHA. The CCHA was a little bit more of a skating game than the WCHA was, where the WCHA was a little bigger, a little heavier. And, and, and Miami was in that same boat. So I think that first couple of years, it, it might have been a little deeper, one through eight, than it is right now. But I, I think that 
when you look at the last eight, nine years and some of the players that have come out of the NCHC and some of the teams that have come out of the NCHC, uh, including four straight national champs, uh, there have been some big-time players out of some big-time programs. And when you look at Miami and CC, you know, you look at them as the seventh and the eighth. Think about Miami right now. Like, Miami went to St. Cloud State, and literally, I mean, they got their doors blown off. They had an air it out, come to Jesus, let's have it go meeting with everybody in there. And everybody spoke, and everybody got off their chest, but they had to get off their chest. Miami, since then, been a pretty damn good team. And they're playing like they can. And they're playing like Chris Bergeron envisioned that they could in the way that he wants to identify his program. And CC has taken some strides too. So, like, I, my feeling is this. You go into the playoffs, yeah, the one and two seed are going to be heavily favored over the seven and the eight. But don't be surprised if Miami or CC push somebody a little bit further than they wanted to go. Dave, I'm going to key in on one thing you said there. You talk about the way teams are built in this conference. Obviously, it's probably crazy to think we're two weeks away from the playoffs and three weeks away from being in St. Paul. But at this time of year, you look at Western's lineup. You look at Denver with that skill. You look at a North Dakota reloading every year with it. The way these teams are built, how much fun is it to watch them heading into this time of year with postseason play? Oh, this is the best because, like, it's bad for the for the teams because they literally cannibalize each other into the national tournament. And I got to tell you this, the frozen faceoff, I think winning the frozen faceoff is harder than winning the frozen four. And that's no disrespect to anybody else. But, like, look at what you have to do. Like, if you're North Dakota, you could conceivably have to take on Denver or Duluth or Western Michigan or St. Cloud to win your two games. Like, have fun with that. It's, nobody else has to do that. And that's why I think this tournament, the frozen faceoff is – like I said, I think it's got more drama and is as good, if not better, than what the Frozen Four is every year. But the the one thing about the Frozen Faceoff is it is so hard to win it that we have seen a lot of times the team that comes out of it, whether winning it or maybe losing the finals, you emotionally are a little drained going into the regionals the following week. And for a good chunk of the years, there have been a couple of NCHC teams that have gone into the regionals as heavy favorites. And I will tell you this as a real heavy favorite, as a one, taking on a four that's probably not all that much or all that less deep than you are, that is the hardest game of the four to win when it comes to winning the national championship is that regional semifinal as a favorite. And that's where some of the NCHC teams have gotten tripped up over the last few years. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I have the privilege of visiting with uh, Coach Carl every week, um, Dave, and when, when we visit, uh, I thought it was interesting over the last four or five weeks, he's kind of been, uh, in my estimation anyway, building towards the NCAA tournament. He's had some different line combinations, uh, He and I asked him about it, and he said, I like to have uh, guys play with different guys because you just never know what's going to happen when it comes down to playoff time. Uh, interesting concept, but um, sometimes I wonder if he, if he doesn't overthink it just a tad too much and uh, if, if that could have hurt him maybe Friday night and uh, last Saturday night uh, in a couple of losses that they really needed if they were going to capture the Penrose. That's funny. The only coach I think I've ever met that doesn't overthink it is Scott Sandlin. (laughs) He's got the perfect mindset. And I say that as a compliment. Like, he's just got the perfect mindset for for what a head coach is. And I think after you win three national titles in 11 years, you know, you you can afford to do that. He's just – he's got a very unique way on how he goes about it and and, and how he builds his teams and how he runs his teams. But – you know, every coach can overthink it, 
But I like my feeling is, and college hockey is a little bit of a different animal. See, I've never coached college hockey. I've coached junior and I've coached pro. And at the pro level, I always felt whether it was a 66 game schedule or an 80 game schedule, whatever it was, you started to get into late January, early February. That was kind of go time. Now, that's when you started to get line combos that you were comfortable with. That's when your D pairs were starting to sort themselves out. That's when your power play units were starting to find some sync and your PK units were starting to identify themselves. And, you know, units of four were starting to emerge as, as a four that you would trust and you wanted to try to keep together. And at the college level, when you're only playing a couple of games a week, sometimes it's hard to maintain a little of that stability and it's hard to maintain some of that momentum that you might get off the previous weekend. And that's why I think coaches tinker a lot because once you start to get into that frozen face-offs, then regionals kind of thing, yeah, it's four games over two weekends, but the intensity ratchets up. And I really think that you're, you're building towards the end and you're also keeping a little bit in the tank so that you've at least got one little ace up your sleeve. Well, Dave, if I lovingly say with uh, Scott Standlin coach teams up at Duluth, no matter how much you write them off, you think you're dead in the water, and two weeks later you turn around and they're playing for the national championship. There's a, uh, there's a switch that in that program they find a way to turn on at the right time of year. <laughs> it's unreal. I mean, Tavis McMillan and I were chatting a couple weeks ago, just called to say hello, and I think they just played Duluth. He was like, that team, man. He goes, like, we outshot them, we outpossessed them, we out everything, and all of a sudden, it's the middle of the third period. You look up at a scoreboard; it's like it's tied. There's no team manages games like they do, and you know we've been saying that for years. Like they they have just become really, really good at managing games, managing seasons, managing tournaments. And one of the reasons is like just what we talked about: they're, they they've got a core, and that core stays together. So you get into these tough games, and you're and you're Scott, and you're looking at your bench, and you're loaded up with guys that are 21, 22, 23 years old who have been through the rigors, who get it, who are experienced, who are not going to panic. And I think that's the the difference with, with some of the teams as, they, as they've won national tournaments over the last decade. They've tended to be older teams with a strong core, well-led by upperclassmen. Well, let's look at this past weekend specifically. I know you've got that uh, heading into the weekend, arguably the most interesting series in the NCHC with what was at stake for Western and North Dakota there. Kind of walk us through what you saw Friday night up at the Ralph. I saw a really, really good game that could have gone either way. And, I mean, I can make a case right here for you that Western Michigan probably deserved a better fate on Friday night. But I can also tell you that what's going on at North Dakota is is really unique. And you want to run through the cliches? Let's go run through them. Next man up, no excuses. You play the next game, all that kind of stuff. You know, whoever's in the lineup's in the lineup. It's not about who's out. It's about who's in. They're just figuring out ways to win. And, you know, we've often joked in a coaching profession, if if you want to become a great coach, it's we call it the gag rule. Get a great goalie. And North Dakota did that with, with bringing in a veteran guy like Zach Driscoll. Remember, we just talked about the older, smarter, more sophisticated guys who can manage games. I mean, here's Driscoll, who's a, a fifth-year guy, and he's, he's 23, 24 years old, and he's calm and he's mature. And, you know, at one point, he gave up the net. He wasn't playing very well, and Jacob Helston – went in, and I think the best thing that happened for Driscoll was that he mentored Helston when Helston took the net away from him. And I think that it rejuvenated Driscoll because I've always felt that when you teach, sometimes it's better than when you learn because as you're teaching, you're learning. And I think that being the big brother, the mentor, kind of the you know the on-ice guide for a young kid like Helston, it actually rejuvenated Driscoll. And since then, he has been lights out. And right now, there are three or four guys that you could say are playing 
as well as anybody in the nation, Driscoll's got to be in that conversation. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. Um, Dave, we call this podcast Analytics and Eyeballs, and the reason we do it is we look at the rankings, we look at the polls. Uh, our own Paul Hornstein is going to come on at the end of the show with his Super 16, uh, Long Island guy, of course. <laughs> and, you know, you and know what, anyway, we're all over the place. We're like a big rash. <laughs> we're just all over. <laughs> but anyway, when we look at that, then Jordan and I kind of compare what our eyeballs tell us, and uh, if I'm gathering it correctly from what you're saying is your eyeballs – are telling you things that maybe some of the other people that vote in the polls or the pairwise maybe isn't telling you? Is that a fair assessment? Oh, I, I that's being polite. And <laughs> I mean, I, I, I for years have just absolutely clobbered the polls. I think the polls are nothing but a popularity contest. And I think there are people who put out polls just to make themselves look good and relevant. And it just, it drives me nuts because I am completely convinced that half the teams that most of the people put in the polls, they haven't seen play ever. And it's, it's just, it is what it is. But, you know, polls are good because they drive conversation and, you know, like we're having right now. And they, they create that debate of, you know, who's the best team in the country or who are the best five. And I mean, I could, I could give you the 10 best teams in the country if I sat here with, you know, looked at them all, not in any particular order. But I will tell you this, there was a span of a month where I thought Denver was the best team in the country. And people... I think mistake the fact that I only watch the NCH. That's not true. I mean, I got a million different servers that give me every game I could possibly want to watch from anywhere. Plus you know, a subscription to Instat, which is unbelievable. I mean, I'm constantly watching everybody from all over the place, just trying to find different things. And I will tell you for a month, I thought Denver is the best team in the country watching Minnesota. I might make a case right now that I think Minnesota is the best team in the country. And there's a difference between teams that have the best players and the best teams. And I also think that you've got to make sure that when you're doing the rankings, you're taking into account not only who these teams are playing, but the conferences that they're playing in. And I say with no disrespect to the end of the conference, and I think Minnesota State is a really good team, and if they were playing in the NCHC, they'd probably be sitting close to where they are right now, if not right where they are right now. But if you're if you're looking at schedules, and let's say you're North Dakota, and you go to Minnesota Duluth, let's say they went to Minnesota Duluth and they lost a pair of one-goal games, against UMD is a pretty good team. You're going to tell me that North Dakota is not a good team as, let's say, Quinnipiac right now? I mean, and that's what drives me crazy about polls. And that's nothing against Quinnipiac because I think they're pretty good too. But I, you got to really look at who's who they're playing, where they're playing, the buildings they're playing in, the pressure they're under, the bright lights that are out there, and the dynamic of, of what a team's going through. That, to me, is, is what I look at for polls, and that's why – like it could take me an hour and a half to do my poll because I, mean, I really go through it. Well, well, Dave, you talk about how good North Dakota has been the last few weeks. I'm going to throw six names at you on top of it. Reese Gaber, Jake Sanderson, Ethan Frisch, Mark Senden, Gavin Hain, and Louis Jammernick. You take into account the uh, the way they're playing with the injuries mounting up right there. On top of it, the way Driscoll's reinventing himself the last few weeks here. How impressive is that run they've been? It's It really is unique, and it's – it's been methodical. Like it, it hasn't been – this is not the North Dakota team of last year where you showed no. up and, <laughs> and and you just watched them make play after play. I remember saying last year on the air once after watching their power play, I said the, the way they were moving the puck around, I said the only thing I was missing was like Sweet Georgia Brown playing in the background. I mean, they were moving <laughs> it all over the place. And this is not that kind of team. I mean, Gaber is a star. Don't get me wrong. But – and Sanderson obviously is a star. Clevin's a star. But this team has got a lot of workmanlike players on it. Connor Ford, the guy doesn't lose a face-off, especially on the left side of the ice. I and mean, the guy just doesn't lose. So North Dakota, 
it's making their life that much easier because they're constantly starting with the puck every time this kid takes a faceoff. You know, last year they had what Brad likes to call the murderer's row of guys taking faceoffs with Weatherby and Pinto and Jamernick and and I I can't think of the the, the third the fourth one. It just escapes me. This year, like Ford is Ford was came in as a number two center. He's now a one. Schmaltz has been great on the dot. Like you know, they've just kind of made it up as they went along here. But this team is methodically winning games. They're getting saves at one end. Driscoll's not letting games fall apart. And they're finding goals from the most unlikely sources. But you know what? That's what North Dakota does because they bring in quality players. When Dane Montgomery and Carson Albrecht are winning your games in Minnesota Duluth, that's uh, that's all you need to know on that note. <laughs> this, this is what I'm saying. It's like when Luke Milmock scored the five-overtime winner. Like, it's the same <laughs> idea. You know, like, UMD has got that same mentality of we're just going to bring in players that fit our culture and our system and our structure and, and we're going to let them play and right now you know brad and his group are, are pressing all the right buttons their power play has been real good and you know the other night they get four goals from defensemen and a 4-3 win against minnesota duluth you get four goals from your d on the road you're living right especially when sanderson's not in the lineup yeah, for sure. Um, Dave, I want to break away from college hockey just for a minute because uh, this past uh, December into January, you were supposed to be at the – well, you were at. <laughs> there just were no games at the World Juniors. Um, and now there's talk. I, I guess it's confirmed uh, August. Uh, we're going to play the World Juniors. Your thoughts on, uh, first of all, uh, getting up to Canada and getting ready to go and then having it end the way it did? It's – you know, the World Juniors was funny because I think everybody was a little on edge that it might not go. It's funny. I think we had more trepidation this time around than we did last year when we were in the middle of this thing and nobody knew which end was up. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that the bubble last year was so tight that you basically had faith that we were going to get through the games and, and it was going to happen. This year, with it being a little looser, and I know certain teams were on – had different MOs, but with all the protocols that were in place, you thought to yourself, you know, maybe, but then you, you started hearing rumblings that it wasn't as tight as it was last year. And you were almost convinced that a couple of guys are going to pop. And once that happened, you know, it was going to be like the chicken pox. Everybody's going to get it. And, and that's what happened. So I, I felt, I felt really bad for the players because for some of them, you know, this might've been their last kick at the can. And that brings me to this point. I've talked to a few NHL assistant general managers and the vibe that I'm getting, is that there are a number of players, especially on the U.S. team, that were going to sign pro contracts at the end of this season anyway, at the end of the college season anyway. And those NHL teams, once they sign them, are not going to lend them back to Team USA to play in the World Juniors. So even though all the guys that played that one game in December are eligible to play in this World Junior because it's considered an extension of the last one, you're gonna, I think you may find on the U.S. team, and, and probably Canada's too, I think you're going to find that half the team's not going to be allowed to play because they're going to be playing for their NHL teams. Yeah, that's a really good point. A really good point. Um, so I kind of felt that same way. I was kind of on edge uh, that it might not get completed. And um, so your thoughts on, on an August event, is that something you're going to be uh, in favor of? Oh, that's a good one. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't mind a little late summer hockey. I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I, I really enjoyed watching the Stanley Cup Finals in my backyard in August. I, I don't think I really <laughs> have it, but like I, as a one-off, I thought it was kind of cool to get the big movie screen out there and you know sit out on the couch and watch the watch the Stanley Cup Final. But I I think you know I think this year you you'll make it work. I, I think for a for a one-off it's okay. I think it'll be a little bizarre that 
we'll have a World Juniors in August. They'll have another one in December. But I, I do think that it's good to get it played. But I also think that it's going to come with a number of challenges because of the the training schedules that a lot of these players are on to get themselves ready for their seasons. It comes at a very odd time. And I and again, I, I think that it's going to be a younger tournament than in most other years because some of those older players that, again, were really high picks and that weren't going to go there four years of college anyway, I think a guy like Matty Benier is going to, for example, and I'm not saying that I know this on any authority, but I'm saying I think a guy like Matty Beniers is going to sign with Seattle within 20 minutes of Michigan losing in the tournament, and you will not see Matty Beniers playing in the World Juniors. Yeah, they'll have yeah. the plane waiting on the uh, waiting on the tarmac when that game's ending in the uh, tournament. Is my guess. <laughs> Absolutely, and like here's my thing: Why wouldn't you? You know, it's, yeah. it's like it's not uncommon. And and if I'm Seattle, the last thing I would want is is my my number my first pick, number two overall, playing in a tournament like that in August when he then has to get ready to go to training camp. So he's got to dial it up to the most intense amateur tournament on the planet, then dial it down and try to get some rest. And then dial it back up again to start the NHL season. That's a lot to ask when you're 19. Well, and the yeah, big that's... thing you've seen that with other sports is the injury risk on top of it. I mean, even completely different situation with the last few years. Look at college football with the amount of kids sitting out of bowl games. On top of it, the uh, the future risk that are on the line for these kids are astronomical. Well, you know, it's funny, which also brings up the point of let's play the bowl games a whole lot sooner, so we get we don't get into this nonsense. But that's a whole other discussion within itself. But, but I, I, I think like, here's my thing. If I'm an NHL team, the last thing I want is the risk of my number one pick getting hurt at the world juniors. And if I'm the fan base that's invested in an NHL team, I kind of feel the same way, but I'm also, if I'm the Federation, if I'm USA hockey, I want to go in there with my best team. I think hockey Canada, USA hockey, and some of the other federations will be going into this world juniors without their best team. But on the other hand, it might be a very unique and very exciting world juniors with a whole bunch of younger players getting to play an extra world junior because they'll probably be around for the next two years anyway, which would have been their two years to play. Yeah, good stuff. You kind of led me into Michigan by talking about Matty Beneers. I wanted to ask you about Michigan. They've had kind of a crazy season. They stand at 25-9-1, and one, but but it's been different, right? Uh, <laughs> are, are they a tournament um how am I going to put this? Are they a national championship winning team, Dave, in your estimation? I think their goalie is as good as anybody's. I, I kid, that kid's been great. I really like their defense core. I like their veterans. Like I really, like Garrett Van Wy and pass the job. And I, I mean, they, they got a, they, they got the, the kid on defense who plays with power. I can't remember his name now. Cause I haven't seen Michigan in a while, but like they, they got a nice roster and I really like the way they're built outside of their, incredibly high-end people. But this brings me to my point. I've said this to Mel Pearson, too. I said, Mel, my biggest worry for you, and it comes from years of following some of these high-end teams where you got these high picks and everybody's kind of one foot in, one foot out when the season starts. Now you get towards tournament time and everybody's a little bit more beat up. The NHL is that much closer. And you're losing 3-1 in the middle of the second period of the regional semifinal. How hard are these guys going to want to work to come back and win the game no one's going to be playing in the NHL in 48 hours. And I think that's a huge issue. And you've got to worry about whether or not some of these guys check out. Does Michigan have the best players in the country? No question. Does Michigan have the best team? I'm not so sure because I don't know what the mental state of their big-time guys are 
when you've got things like an NHL contract signed within, you know, it could be in the next 10 minutes, right? So, like, you, that's the thing that worries me about Michigan is how all in are they among their elite group? Yeah, that's a great point, Dave. And actually, that's something that I've brought up on shows with Scott in the past here. I look at a team like a Western Michigan or a St. Cloud that the way that they're built, you don't have as much of that issue hanging over them that uh, come playoff time, it's the uh, the will over skill, as you can lovingly say with it, that almost bodes into the hands of uh, some of these other teams that might not be near the top of that pedestal right now. Which is what made Cole Caulfield so special last year when like, he almost literally willed Wisconsin back into that game against Bemidji State. Like he knew he was he knew he was signing as soon as that thing was over, but he didn't want it to end. And he did everything he could to try to get Wisconsin back in that game. Like I, I thought that was pretty unique. And I, I didn't see that first of all, I didn't think they were gonna lose, but when they were down that much, I didn't see that kind of a comeback coming, especially, you know, from him. But like he I mean I gained so much respect for him. But I, I just think like we said, it is really hard when you get towards the end of a long grinding season, especially this one with COVID and rescheduling and uncertainty and all that kind of stuff. Some guys going to the world juniors and having to go through that quarantine and then not playing the whole thing and then going to the Olympics and then coming back. I mean, how much is left in the tank for, for some of these high end guys. And, and to your point specifically, I think that's why a team like a St. Cloud, a team like a Duluth, which doesn't have a lot of flight risk. They've got guys that are really good players that know they're going to be back with the program next year. All they want to do is win games for that program because the better the program does, the better it sets them up for the next part of their career. Absolutely. Reading my mind, I was just going to ask you about St. Cloud because I saw them play here in Denver and I thought, wow, um, they, they looked undisciplined. They looked unorganized. And I know uh, Coach Larson wasn't with them uh, then, but uh, now all of a sudden they're putting it together again. So what's the real St. Cloud State team, Dave? Great question, because when we did the Denver-St. Cloud game about a month and a half ago, I thought to myself that these are two teams that you could absolutely see winding up in a national title game. I mean, I really like both teams. And then you know, St. Cloud's been leaking a little oil. There's no question. Uh, part of it could be injuries. Part of it could be a couple of their star players overplaying the Olympics. And, and I mean, I know their head coach was not there, but Dave Shyak to me, is a head coach. I mean, he's been a head coach. He, he's a tremendous hockey mind, and – if Brett Larson were to be gobbled up by an NHL team as an assistant or an American League team as a head tomorrow, uh, to me, Dave Shyak is – they wouldn't skip a beat with him taking over. So I just think it's its something that none of us know, but there obviously was some kind of an emotional depression that happened within that group, and they, they ran out of gas a little bit, and now I think they're starting to slowly put it back together now that they can see that the end is close. And sometimes it's like baseball. You go through those dog days and just coming to the rink is it becomes a grind. The weather becomes a grind. The Tuesday night games get in the way of your schedule because you're used to playing Friday, Saturday. So you're you're a little off kilter. And I I think St. Cloud, once you know, once they get through this weekend and the playoffs are here, I think that they're gonna be okay. And I was joking with some coaches around around the NCHC. That four or five matchup between St. Cloud and Duluth to me is the Yes, both teams want to win it, but also I think both coaches in the back of their mind are thinking to themselves, if we lose this thing and we're guaranteed a national tournament spot anyway, not the worst thing in the world to have a weekend off. Well, Dave, I'm going to ask you about two teams uh, real quick here, then we'll let you get out of here pretty soon, but I'm going to stick in the Big Ten for this first one. 
I would have told you when Jack LaFontaine signed with the Carolina Hurricanes that Justin Close would go on the run that he has here with the Gophers and they'd uh, spring up the rankings as much as they have here. What would you have said? I would have said that if it does happen, that they probably thought that LaFontaine was the biggest pain in the ass and couldn't wait to get rid of him. But I don't know that. I'm, like I'm saying, it's like a shit. You know, like, oh, good, he's gone. Now we can play, right? Uh, but LaFontaine did a great job for him. And I will tell you this. When you've got a good team that can possess pucks and defend and attack like Minnesota does, uh, yes, the goalie's important, but it makes it a little bit easier to put somebody else in. And this kid closes. I mean, he's, he's no slouch. He's, I mean, he's a pretty good goalie. So I – to say that they were going to do what they did, yeah, I would have probably said to you, okay, that that might not happen. But on the other hand, with the way that they play and the structure that they have and the discipline that they have and the fact that Bob Motzko teams generally don't take a lot of penalties, I it, it's I can't tell you I'm stunned, but I'm not going to tell you I would have predicted it. Yeah, I was actually talking to uh, your good pal Ben Holden about that earlier today. Uh, ben Myers is one hell of a player that they got on that team right now, and it's uh, – Crazy to think how much of the run they've went on here. The other question I was going to ask you, team I get to see on a regular basis, you've seen Omaha twice in this second half. A loss out at CC and a loss out at Miami. On the opposite end of that extreme, a uh, team that swept St. Cloud and beat Denver. Obviously, uh, word boils down to consistency, but how much of a head-scratcher is this Omaha team this year? That's a good one. I I think Omaha the last couple of years has been in that boat. And even when Dean was there, there were times where – they just made me say, okay, what's going on here? I think it's a well-coached team. I think it's a team that believes in itself. I think it's a really good team. I, I would stop short of saying they're a great team. I think they're really good. You know what they're missing? They're missing the big hammer. Like, if you look at some of the other programs in the conference, everybody's got a big hammer. So, you know, North Dakota's got a guy like Sanderson, and Denver's got a guy like Brink or or Benning on the back end or Savoy. And, you know, Minnesota Duluth's got their group with Roth and Bender and Latter. I mean, Everybody's kind of got a got a hammer. I don't know if Omaha has the hammer. I don't know if they've got that big dominant guy in the dressing room or on the ice that when it starts to hit the fan, can just stand up on the bench and say, We got this. I'm not sure that they do. I'm I'm not saying they don't. I'm just not sure if they've got that hammer the way some of the other teams do. But I will tell you this with the way that they are put together, when they get that guy and they don't, don't always get that bright, shiny object player. But if they ever do, that's the next step that they will take to become one of those teams that finds themselves in the top five in the conference every year. Because I think Mike Gabinet is a hell of a coach. All right, Dave. Final one for me is we've got the, uh, the pairwise in front of us right now, and we see Minnesota State, Michigan, Denver, uh, Minnesota. If those were to be the top four, um, we have a pretty good tournament field, don't we? Oh, I think so. Especially, you know, Denver will be in Loveland. And I think that and that's the regional that I have. And I think that if Denver gets to Loveland as the number one overall, then they would be getting the 16th seed as their regional semifinal game, which more than likely be the Atlantic champion. And it could be AIC again, coached by one of my former players in Eric Lang. And I'll tell you what, AIC is a handful. <laughs> like, like to me, that's like the <laughs> yes, last thing you're doing. So I'm thinking to myself, if you're Denver, the best thing that can happen is you finish like three or four overall and you don't get the team that comes in with nothing to lose and everything to gain. It might make their life a little bit easier. But I, I think Denver going to Loveland is a big help for them over any of the other number one seeds. 
All right, we'll let you go on this one. Tell us what you got on the agenda for the next month. <laughs> oh God! Um, <laughs> how about the how next much, week? <laughs> how much? How much time you got? Uh, so, let's see. So we've got. Uh, you know, we got a little. Well, are you, can, you ready for a funny story? Can I? Can I digress yeah, for a moment? Absolutely. Go right ahead. If somebody, if if your wife called you at eleven o'clock in the morning and said they had crying and said they had just fallen off a bar stool and broken their arm. What would you think? <laughs> uh, I don't even know. My, my mind would go crazy. <laughs> okay, so that happened to be this morning. I'm sitting in my office where I had been since 5.30 that morning. So I'm sitting in my office, and Shireen calls me. She's just crying, and she goes, I just fell off the bar stool, and I think I broke my wrist. And I went, has it been that bad a morning that you're at the bar at 11 o'clock? And she goes, she goes, no, I was hanging a picture in the house when I was standing on the bar stool. And it's higher than the regular chairs. And when I stepped down, obviously the floor wasn't there. And I fell and I – so anyway, I went, oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. I got it now. So that plays into, like, what the next week looks like because, like, now I'm going to be doing my work and her work sort of together because she's a righty. So she can't write now because she broke her wrist. So oh, no. I'm now on double note-taking duty for all of the game prep stuff we got to do. I'll probably help her have to do her folders for her for – for the Friday night game and get all of her info done and that kind of stuff. So I got that ahead of me. We go to Duluth for the game. Uh, let's see what else we got. Then uh, at some point we have to go up to New Hampshire and pick our kid up because this season's over and you know he's going to stay an extra week or so and skate with the U20 team before he comes home. And uh, I don't know, something else will come up, regular work. It never ends, man. It's just, it's, but you know what? I'll tell you what, I, I like it like this versus it being quiet. Because sometimes when it gets too quiet, I start to think that my self-worth is going down. So the fact that I can't find a minute to think, probably a great thing. Uh, I love it. Well, you're going to be at the Frozen Face-Off too, right? Yeah, so we've got uh, we've got the Frozen Face-Off on CBS Sports Network. Then I've got the Selection Show, I think. And then, then we've got – I've got the West Regional. And then Shereen and I will be doing the Frozen Ford together on Westwood One Radio – uh, Brian Tripp from Penn State will be our play-by-play guy. And we think this is really cool because we have worked Frozen Fours together but separately. And I think we're about to become the first husband and wife team to ever work a championship tournament on air together, which we're really excited about. Oh, that would be totally awesome. Well, tell tell her we're thinking about her and that wrist and, uh, and heal up as quick as possible. So that's a good hockey injury, though, you know, if it's broken wrist. <laughs> Can't she just say she got slashed or something? Well, the funniest thing is, is when we called our son to tell him, she like showed him a picture of the wrist, and the first thing our kid said was, "What the other person look like?" <laughs> so, only a hockey player would say that, right? Exactly, exactly. Dave, I'm uh, I'm I'm fully expecting on a Friday's broadcast the story to be a block shot or something along those lines. Oh, trust me, this this story <laughs> will grow in lore as we go along. By Friday night, I don't know what this thing could turn into, but as of right now. It's we fell off the bar stool hanging a picture by Friday night. I don't know where it's going to go, but tune in because I guarantee it'll turn into something good. <laughs> Dave Starman, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you taking the time tonight, late night out there on Long Island. Uh, Jordan and I will be right back to wrap up another episode of Analytics and Eyeballs with our Super 16 and our another guest from Long Island, not even a guest, a co-host, Paul Hornstein, in two minutes. Yeah. <laughs>
at Behind the Mask, we know that players are always messing with their equipment and constantly need to borrow things like tape or need a new mouthpiece during the season. Point is that just because you are fully outfitted to start the season doesn't mean you're good for the year. Make sure that you are always supplied with all of the hockey accessories you need by visiting our stores or BehindTheMask.com. Whether it's an extra mouth guard, wheels and bearings for your inline skates, or extra rolls of tape for your stick, at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three Valley locations or online at BehindTheMask.com. Ask any hockey player in the desert southwest, and they'll all tell you the same thing. We love going to the rink and sandals. Now you can show off your game in style with summer skates. Officially licensed summer skates are comfortable, washable, and can be designed to show off your fandom. Phil Kessel, your guy? Big William Carlson fan? Or is Austin Matthews the man? Have your summer skates designed to show off your favorite NHL player, or shout out your own game with your own number. Team discounts and customization available, too, for groups of 12 or more. Thirsty after getting off the ice, our new koozies are perfect for keeping that cold one cold in the desert heat. Comfortable and durable, show up to the rink in style. An authorized retailer of summer skates, you can purchase yours through our website at icetimehockeysw.com. More than 140 live games from the nation's best college hockey conference. Ready for you, wherever you are, however you want to watch. Your favorite team is on nchc.tv. On your phone, tablet, or stream to your TV. Subscribe now to watch the best in college hockey at nchc.tv. If it's nchc hockey, it's on nchc.tv. Summer Skate Studios. This is Analytics and Eyeballs. All right. Welcome back in, hockey fans, NCAA hockey fans, NCHC hockey fans, Big Ten hockey fans, Atlantic hockey hockey fans. It doesn't matter. We're here for you all. Scott Strandy with you in Centennial, Colorado. My co-host, Jordan McAlpine, joining me from a beautiful 70-degree day in Omaha, Nebraska. Um Jordan, you know what time it is, right? It's time for the Super 16. Um, you got anything you want to say to Paul Hornstein as he joins us right now? I liked our other Long Island guest better. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> everybody? I mean, oh, I absolutely, I absolutely love it. Paul, how are you? Uh, I'm, I'm not sitting in 70 degree weather. That's for darn sure. Okay, tell us for sure. You didn't fall off a bar stool, did you? Um, not recently. I'm sure I did many, many moons ago, and I just don't remember because that's why I was in the bar. But <laughs> all right, we, we we don't call you superstar for no reason, right? Uh, yeah, that's that's the way I would put it. <laughs> all right, Paul, buckle up because Jordan's got some bones to pick. I'm going to start off with the Super 16. I'm going to go through the first four and uh, see if Jordan McAlpine's got anything for you. Minnesota State, number one. North Dakota, number two. Minnesota, number three. Notre Dame, number four. Jordan, go. 
I'll just let you read five through eight, and then I'll make my point. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. I know where five this is through, going, but go ahead. Five through eight. Five, Quinnipiac. Six, Michigan. Seven, Denver. Eight, UMass. Go, Jordan. Let, let's key in on number seven there, Paul. Can uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the platform first to uh, defend that one, but I, I just want to hear what went into the thought process. <laughs> uh, they just haven't played well the last couple of weeks. You know, um, this, is, this is not as much about uh, me thinking that there are six teams necessarily better. In, in terms of from day one, but this is where they are right now, the way they've been playing. Um, I didn't think they were out of the game on Saturday, um, but it sure looked like that for the first couple of periods. They're just so explosive, and then Omaha decided that they wanted to hang out in the penalty box, and you just can't do that. But they played one period out of six this week. Now, some of that was them not playing as well as they normally do, playing on the road. And some of that was Omaha, you know, having their night Friday night and most of Saturday. Yeah, I, 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 will, I will agree with you and give, give you that part of it. I, I just, with the uh, season as a whole looking at it, and then number two, the uh, talent on that DU roster, they uh, – I don't know this this past weekend with it. The one thing I will say is their record away from Magnus Arena does uh, does make me kind of curious to see how they hold up come frozen face off time and also with the uh, regional. I know being out in Loveland, it's probably probably the next best thing that they could have to playing at Magnus. <laughs> but with uh, that being the case, there with it, I uh, when, when Scott sent me that rating earlier today, especially. Uh, that Notre Notre Dame team over Denver. That's the uh, that's the one right there that I don't know that I can make that argument. Uh, like I said, you know, and right now Notre Dame has been one of those quiet teams. They've just kind of rolled along and rolled along and rolled along, and at some point you have to reward that consistency. You know. Mm-hmm. What I will say too, uh, you're with your top four there. I do think it's interesting, especially the last couple weeks here, whether it's. Your Super Six team, the National Poll, however you want to look at it, the uh, the parity, and I mean for for that matter, it goes beyond just the top four. That's the entire top yeah. 22, 23 in college hockey with it. But you uh, with yourself there having North Dakota at two, Minnesota at three. I know Minnesota's at two in the National Poll this week and knocking on the door there at the pairwise. That uh, a month ago we all thought Quinnipiac was that locked in number two seed or whatever, just to go yeah. to show how how much it can change with it. But no, just uh, you know, you you know me. Uh, I I always love a good Ryle Paul up session there with that uh that Denver <laughs> no, at number I, seven. Okay. In all fairness, Jordan. In in all fairness, Paul had to talk me off the DU ledge uh, about oh seven God. times this weekend oh because God, Jordan, that is oh. as poorly as I've seen that team play. Oh. They just looked disinterested. They didn't look sharp. Uh, I I don't know. I, I'm going to see David tomorrow. Uh, for our normal media session. Uh, I also have Mike Benning and um, Brett Stapley on as a feature guest tomorrow. So uh, when I get in the building, I want to find out what was going through their head because, and I mentioned this to Dave when he was on, I said, uh, it looks to me like Coach Carl has, has been messing with the lineup a little bit too much. He's been uh, trying some different guys, doing different things. I don't know if Magnus is just exhausted 
um, physically or mentally. I don't know if it's time to play Maddie a game or two. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to ask tomorrow, see if I get some answers. I know they're still confident. They think that they're still, uh, and obviously the Paraguay says they're still a top three team. So, um, but, but anyway, Paul had to talk me off the Denver ledge because I was a little worried about the, uh, the pioneers. Well, and what a couple things I'll add on that real quick, just from getting to watch them in person this weekend. And I, I will say on that matter too, I have seen a lot of Denver from afar this year. The, uh, up, up until Stapley's goal there in the second period on Saturday, the guys who have made that team what they are this year were, for, for lack of a better word, non-existent at portions of that game with it. That uh, Corona, especially on a Friday night, t- two goals on two shots early on. He never looked good from the start, never looked settled in. Uh, I will say I'll give uh, DC all the credit in the world. Going to Matty Davis on Saturday was uh, – if you ask me about the only decision that you could make in that situation to yeah, get, a, for sure. get, get, get a spark under that team. But that, that third period on Saturday and Omaha as a whole, I, I think you could very well argue that they played 110 at 120 minutes of that weekend, besides that 10 minute stretch as the better team of the two, that, uh, that 10 minute stretch though is enough of the sequence size to see how good this Denver team is and the skill that they have to take a game over. But at the same time, to kind of add on top of that, you talk about those line combinations. I almost wonder if that messes up a little bit too much in the chemistry end of it. Um, Bingo. Bingo. Especially especially this past weekend with Stapley. And that line, you look at the way Brink and Gutman were playing together, that uh, almost, like I said, you wonder how much that does creep into the back of your head. If it, if it ain't broke, it don't fix it type of thing. But if you try tinkering too much, you could really throw a wrench into it and end up disrupting more than you're helping. So it'll be interesting to see how they manage that this weekend and into the playoffs with the way it looks now, four straight against CC. That's uh, that's even more of an opportunity to overthink the matchup portion of it. So we'll see how that all shakes up. Boy, you said it. All right, hey, let's go wait, through. Before the- we, wait, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Before we uh, get to the, the second half of this, um, we should give a little bit or maybe more than a little bit of credit to the consistency of Minnesota State. Yes. And, and, and I mean, uh, they, and they, Dryden I, McKay. <laughs> well, and Dryden McKay, yeah, which he, and I don't care what anybody says. If anybody but him wins the, the Richter Award, then people aren't paying attention. But when you have been as consistent as they have been, week after week after week, and pretty much since the middle of November, been a heavy favorite in every game. To maintain that consistency and to 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 to, to manage every weekend, they're not getting enough credit. Paul, that's they've been that consistent since uh, the middle of November of twenty seventeen. <laughs> well, yeah, but they, they've been a very good hockey program for a long in, time in, now. In, in Mike Casey's has done a great job. Yeah, but in this year of parity where almost everybody that's in, that's that's played a, a certain number of games has got double-digit losses, and you're the only one with, with single digits, and it's not like you have nine losses. You have five. Yeah, well said. Uh, the Denver people are throwing darts at you because they're twenty-three, oh, eight, and one. 
I, I, work, <laughs> I work with teenagers. I'm <laughs> All right. So here we go. Nine through 16. Number nine, UMass Lowell. Number 10, Northeastern. Number 11, Ohio State. Number 12, Michigan Tech. Number 13, Western Michigan. Number 14, Omaha. Number 15, Boston U. And number 16, Clarkson. Jordan, take it away. Interessante. <laughs> I, uh, I look at that there, uh, and pretty pretty similar to a lot of the uh, polls with the rankings of it. I do find it interesting with the NCHC specifically. I uh, you look at that list with the current way it's looking right now. No St. Cloud, no Duluth, and uh, you got Omaha in there. The uh, <laughs> Mavs have been playing well and looking good the past couple weeks here. I uh, I just still have a a little bit of doubt creeping in the back of my mind of. Uh, what it's going to take to pull that off if I, if they've got that in them. But I, I don't know if I'd say call me a believer yet, but with the way that they looked, especially against St. Cloud and Denver there, it's a, uh, it's a fair argument and Duluth's in trouble right now. I, I know the, the odds makers, it's just the 10% chance or whatever it is that they, they could end up missing the postseason. but <clears throat> especially if St. Cloud goes on a run here against them next weekend, if they falter in that opening round of the playoffs with it, that's a, that's a real interesting situation of what's going to happen up there. Now, at the same time, I will say I do have a hard time believing that does fall apart. But with the uh, with the rest of your poll there, uh, I'll like the UMass pick. Ohio State's turn it on late. I know we've talked a lot this second half of the season about Michigan Tech there. And then, uh, if I remember, you have Boston and Clarkson 15-16, right? Yeah. Yeah, that the uh, Clarkson team. I know uh, we've also talked about a lot. BU's interesting though. The, both both of those teams, for that matter, are uh, on thin ice when it comes to breathing room. And obviously, anyone in that thirteen through twenty one situation is on thin ice, for that matter. And this is something I was talking about something with the other or someone with the other day. I don't know if it's a situation of if you really think about it this way. We really haven't had to worry about the pairwise at this time of year for almost three years, just with right. la- with last year going to the formula of teams picking it. The year before that, the season getting cut short, so we really didn't uh, – now granted down the stretch run we paid attention to it, but after that the pairwise obviously didn't mean anything. Come tournament time that you go back to the year before that, I don't know if it's just a situation of being so long since we've had to pay this much attention to it, but in my recent memory of being a fan or now covering college hockey on a regular basis, I uh, think you'd be hard-pressed to find a situation where so many teams are bottlenecked right in that spot where they are right now. Oh, well, and that's what's going to make um, the, 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 the conference tournaments this year so much more interesting. Um, is it likely that a Penn State or a Michigan State um, can can run that gauntlet. Uh, it's not likely, um, but when you look at where the the that like the second half like of the NCHC teams, like Duluth is still close enough to the bottom where they could play their way out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think St. Cloud can, but you never know. Um, and Omaha is close enough to play their way in it. And then you look at Hockey East. And you look at all of those teams in that 14 to 21 
and they're about to play their, you know, they're going to play their conference tournament, and those teams are so bunched together by numbers that it, you could you could win a game and later that day be out of it because the numbers say, up oh, sorry, that one game that you lost to Maine, and I'm just throwing out a name there, it trips you up in the end. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah and I, go ahead, oh, Joe. Go ahead, Scott. No, no ahead. I, I, I was just going to say real quick, and this is one thing that uh, Dave talked about with us there. You look at Duluth and St. Cloud, have very realistic chance those two teams could end up playing four games against each other. Yeah. When it, when it comes down to it that uh, you beat up on each other through that stretch, that <laughs> from the conference standpoint, it's almost counterintuitive, if you know what I mean by that, that yeah. one of those two could end up pretty much forcing the other team out. I will say I just looked on CHN's pairwise customizer. Right. If Omaha finds a way to uh, – come out and sweep North Dakota this weekend, which with the way UND is playing lately, even with the Mavs looking how they have here, I don't, uh, I don't know how, how I feel about that with the uh, task that's going to come with it. That only bumps them up to 17. And I, I would argue right now, you've really got to get into that top 14, maybe even 13 to have any type of uh, a security blanket that comes with it. I uh, can keep can keep looking at it, but even you sweep this weekend somehow, you go win a playoff series, and then you get a win in St. Paul or something. Even at that rate, there is a it's not exactly sure proof by any stretch of the imagination. No, and and by the way, like you guys said, how intense are those Duluth and St. Cloud games going to be this weekend? Uh, first of all, you have two in-state rivals. And you're also playing for home ice. That's those, the big thing. That's the big thing. That. I mean, uh, it's two completely different games because St. Cloud has the big sheet. Yeah, I think St. Cloud would love to get home ice over uh, over Duluth. And the other thing that Michael brought up last night was uh, Duluth has got to be careful. they got to stay above 500. They're yeah. just right, yeah. way too close to that 500 line. Um and the other thing that I want to throw out there real quickly, guys, is uh, in the pairwise rankings, I don't know that I've seen the top seven this tight. I mean, Minnesota State, obviously number one. Michigan, um, number two. I think that's pretty clear. But then a, a two-way tie for third in Denver and Minnesota and a three-way tie for fifth between North Dakota, Western Michigan, and Notre Dame. And then comes Quinnipiac, then comes St. Cloud, and then comes the defending champion, UMass, to round out the top ten. I mean – Paul, you just said it. Uh, what happens between North Dakota, Western Michigan, and Notre Dame this last weekend of the regular season, uh, depending on wins and losses? Yeah, and, and you know, it is close enough with Denver where, you know, if if somebody loses a game or something, you know, if they, they move also changes all the brackets around too because Denver is going to play in Loveland, and if you're the two seed, then the other half of that, the other side of that bracket, you know, has to be uh, whoever is in the third seed, and that could change where they send people to. Well, I'm going to throw two two caveats in there real quick to touch on something you brought up, Scott. Uh, with with the loose 500 record, that's exactly what I was hinting at there. That I don't know if they're uh, if they're, if they're sure proof by any stretch of the imagination. 
but I'm going to use the word chaos. I know all of us in this industry love that term. Uh, (laughs) Let's not write off the fact too, that this weekend we talk about Omaha. If, if somehow, and I'm not even saying a sweep, if they end up getting four, four points out of this series against North Dakota and Duluth sweep St. Cloud state, Omaha actually moves up into that five spot to potentially set up, depending on how Western does against Miami, a uh, Duluth Omaha matchup with Omaha having the head to head with St. Cloud state there that uh, the, the playoff series are by no means etched in stone at this point of the season of what those matchups are going to be. And on top of it, if you've got an Omaha team that passes over St. Cloud state in the standings and has a three and one record head to head against the Huskies, that's a, uh, Obviously, I know it's not last year's situation where we've got a, a committee where head coaches have to make their cases type of thing. That math is going to decide it. But that's an awfully hard uh, hard thing to look over at that point of the season if it comes down to those two teams for the final spot in the tournament or some situation. And that's what we like. We want that. <laughs> that's what we want. Uh, chaos it is. Okay, well, Denver will go to St. Cloud State. Um uh, on Friday night on St. Cloud State, Colorado College on Friday night, and Colorado College will come to Magnus Saturday night, and it very much could be the same matchup uh, with all games at Magnus the following weekend. So we'll see what happens on that end of it. Um, it it's crazy. Uh, we'll all be talking again next Monday about what the heck happened in the end of the regular season, no doubt about it. Um, all right, Jordan, take it away. From the Summer Skate Studios, Analytics and Eyeballs has been brought to you by the NCHC and NCHC TV. Subscribe to NCHC TV and catch all the action from the toughest conference in all of college hockey today. Drury Inn and Suites, now an official Disney World hotel. Book your stay at our new Lake Buena Vista location opening this October or at any location at druryhotels.com. By Summer Skates, whether you use your own name and number or you want to represent your favorite player, Show off your game and style. Visit summerskates.com for more information today on how to get your personalized shower shoes and koozies. Metro by T-Mobile. Switch to our $60 a month plan, which includes an Amazon Prime membership. See one of our stars for details today. By Behind the Mask. No one knows goalie needs better than we do. Visit behindthemask.com or one of our three Valley locations for more. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas. Our food sums up one word, perfection. By M-Drive, for supplements to fuel and refine your drive, visit mdriveformen.com. Peterson Toyota, located at 4455 South College Avenue in Fort Collins. Our staff works hard to make sure you get the right car that fits your needs. Shop our selection of both new and pre-owned vehicles today. Jets Pizza. It's more than just great pizza. You'll love our wings, sidekicks, and more. Find a location near you at JetsPizza.com. And by Caesars Entertainment, Resorts, and Casinos. Worldwide, Caesars is where the action is. Analytics and Eyeballs and all of the Ice Time Hockey Southwest podcasts are recorded live on the Podbean app. You can also download any of our shows on iTunes, Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and on TuneIn. Analytics and eyeballs and all of our weekly podcasts come to you from the Summer Skate Studios and are a part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Very well done, my friend. Our thanks to Paul Hornstein for coming on and bringing that Super 16 um, 
it's going to get a lot of talk this week, folks. I guarantee you, as soon as we put that up on social media here in a few minutes, it'll get a lot of talk. Well done, Paul. And uh, our thanks also to Dave Starman for coming on and uh, and telling us all about the hockey world. And, and of course, we're thinking and uh, hoping for a speedy recovery to uh, Shireen for uh, that broken wrist. She's falling off a bar stool at 11 o'clock in the morning. That's tough. <laughs> why? Why? It's easier at 6 o'clock at night if you fall off? I, I didn't realize that there were better times to break the wrist, but okay. Oh, I love it. All right. We'll say goodnight with the little Roger Klein, the peacemakers. Hello, new day before my voice is completely gone. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.